Hey, Mike. Hey, Megan. How are you today? Good. It's it's good to see you after the long fall and early winter here. (laughs) I know. And I've got my orange coat, right? So I feel very festive and visible. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we are breaking into your broadcast here to let you know about a very special episode that we recorded this summer when Mike and I were live from the Minnesota State Fair. Do you remember that, Mike? Live. Man, that was it was a lot of fun, actually. It was a lot of fun. It felt like a lot of pressure, but it was a lot, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was fun. a little nervous about it, but yeah, it went well. And we are so grateful to you, our listeners, because we had so many of you show up and you were in the audience cheering us on, really sharing cool. your love of prayer with us. That was just wonderful to see. And so we have now, we have the audio here ready for you. And we just wanted to apologize a little bit because while we were at the state fair, um, we had some audio technical difficulties. There was a learning curve. There was a learning curve. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. And so our IT people cleaned it up really fast. So we have also edited this just a little bit. So it's easier on your ears. If you get to about the first minute, all of that background noise that you're hearing will go away. And the audio is crisp and clean and clear. And it's just going to be smooth prairie listening after that. Yep. Enjoy, everybody. Yeah, enjoy. And if you want to check us out live and see Mike and I in person, or I mean, I guess not in person, but virtually in person, right? You can check out the Minnesota DNR's Facebook page and go to the Minnesota Prairie Pod live from State Fair episode in the videos tab. There you go. Thanks, everybody. Oh, it's happening. We're live from the Minnesota State Fair. Welcome, everybody. It's time for the Prairie Pod. It's a big crowd. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, well, you know, it's kind of weird because normally we sit in front of a table when we podcast and it's just us in our houses and our comfy pants. And so for the Minnesota State Fair today, you're wearing, you're wearing comfy pants. I always wear comfy pants. Yeah. I'm going to teach you some amazing prairie facts. And the job for us is we got to stay in these squares for all our people who are watching virtually. So we're going to do our very best. And we're also going to try to interact with everybody in the audience. It's, good. it's a really narrow square. So has anybody here listened to the Prairie Pod before? Anybody at all? Woo! Has anybody loved Prairie? Just You just love it. You just love it a lot. I, I love Prairie. <laughs> we welcome everybody here. Prairie, woods, wetland lovers. You can come here. That's all right. You're much more tolerant. I know. It's all right. So Mike and I usually talk about Prairie together. Our podcast airs in July every Prairie Tuesday. And so this is a special live episode from the State Fair with some winds that you're hearing there. (laughs) The technology is always a challenge. You know, that's why you should be here at Minnesota's Great Get Together. Is it me? No? All right. So Mike and I, we have four different sections for you. It is me. It is me. Oh, look at that. It's me. He turned my mic off. It's better. Woohoo! Yay! All right. Everybody can hear me well. I have to make sure that I you know, hold it away from me because I tend to be a close mic talker. Not that kind of mic, this kind of mic. We're socially distant. You're welcome. So let's get started. Should we talk some good prairie facts? Talk about prairie. Okay, Mike, what do you love about prairie? Um, what, well, first of all, I have a, I have a call I want to play. This is a prime oh. example of what I love about prairie. Oh, okay. It's happening. So, you know, we talk about all the, all the benefits of prairie, but a big one 
is just hearing this when you walk out in the morning. That's so beautiful. Did you get that? that Did everybody down? hear that? You could hear that? What is it? Okay, that's a Western metal art. It's a Western metal art. Anyway. Nice. If, if you didn't get that, Google Western metal art because it's beautiful. That's a, that's a prime example of what you hear when you walk out on the prairie. It's also, okay, this is sad. I'll start, right. I'll start with the sad well, stuff. Well, right? we got to start sad to lift you back up. That's all right. Yeah, Go we'll, ahead. We'll start out sad. Go ahead. So grassland birds and pollinators. Nice. That's beautiful. Um, um, they are declining more in prairie than in any other ecosystem. So our grassland birds, our pollinators, and they're, they're, they're crucial. They're so important. And even if you aren't a fan of prairie, okay, I was kidding earlier when I said you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> you can stay. Even if you're not a fan of prairie, our grassland birds and our pollinators serve such important roles, and they are disappearing on us. So that's, that's, a, that's the message I wanted to get, make sure I got across. What I love about prairie, I am a wildlife guy, so number one is wildlife. Mm -hmm. um, they're, yeah, again, grassland birds are super important. Our pollinators, prairie is, serves a very, as a very important source of habitat for our pollinators. And we all know what happens if our pollinators are gone. What happens? Something weird, like, like apocalyptic happens. Oh, that's not good. Society, I don't like that. Society nope. start, shuts down. Like chocolate goes away? Like that That Example. bad? Oh, like coffee goes away? Coffee, chocolate. Apples? Which is essentially... Say it ain't so, Mike. Broccoli? We don't need that. Essentially the it's same fine. as the apocalypse when those oh things happen. Oh my gosh, I don't like that. It's very sad. Yeah. So we, we didn't introduce ourselves very well. Mike is oh. a non-game wildlife biologist. He was trying to identify plants for uh, some nice state fair goers earlier. He identified a mountain Ash as a sumac. So we got some work to do. My heart was in That's the right, right place. We have okay. some, his heart was in the right place. I'm a regional ecologist. I'm based out of New Ulm. Mike is based out of Lake Sakata State Park. And so we cover southern Minnesota. But prairie is for everybody. And we've got lots of prairie in the state. And we want to share lots of things with you. So we've got four sections that we're going to go through. So right now, again, this is Megan and Mike live from the State Fair on the DNR stage. And we are going to keep talking about what we love about prairie. And then we'll ask some of your questions. And then and we'll move on to a Let's Science Live activity, complete with a prairie snake race. You are not going to want to miss that. Mike and I are going to pretend to be prairie snakes and try to beat each other in a race across the prairie, a.k.a. the stage. Imagination is required for this race. That's going to be a display of yeah. athletic prowess. Right athletic there. prowess. It yeah. will be. It will be athletic prowess. Let's see. It, it might be the longest race ever because <laughs> I was practicing and it took me 10 minutes to get from one side of Mike Square to the other. So we could be here a while. It could be great. And then after that, we're going to give you some places where you can find prairie and take a hike because we are in Minnesota and we are blessed to have so many public lands where you can get out and explore. So, okay, that was our intro. I did it sort of backwards, but it's fine. That's fine. It's it fine. It works out. Everybody take a big, deep breath with me now. Even if you're online and you're in the safety of your home with your comfy pants on, just take, do it just real big. <gasps> Hold it. Don't hold it too oh. much. Don't die on me. Don't die on me. Cameraman, don't die. Okay, now let it out. Did okay. you thank a prairie for that breath? Well, you should, because prairies do that. They're giving us clean air every day. They're giving us clean drinking water, flood control, drought control. They're original and healthy soils. How deep do you think prairie roots go? Man in the back, how deep? Just yell out a number. I know you're just on a bench. 
How many feet? Six. Six. That's a great guess. He's, he's That's a great guess. Yep. Some do go six feet. Higher. Higher. Ten feet. Ten feet. Higher. I should say deeper, right? Because they're not, like, flying. Whoa, that would be terrifying. No, they're going deeper, right? Deeper. Deeper than 10 feet. How many feet do they go? Any guesses online, Caleb? No? Nobody online yet? 15. Keep going. Even deeper. 25 feet. Even deeper. I know, this is getting nuts, isn't it? 27 feet deep is how deep some of our prairie plants can grow. That's what we're talking about. That is roots, Minnesota. Prairies do them best. So, prairie roots, that is three times the size of an NBA basketball player. If you just, like, stuffed them, you know, into the... No, we don't do there that. No nine foot you just, like, lay them down. Six foot seven times three, man. Six foot seven times three. 27 feet. Okay, my math is bad, but just go with it, right? Okay, it's four times or something. Yeah, it's more than four times the size of an NBA basketball player. That's fine. We're just here to love the prairie. We're not here to check my maths, okay? <laughs> All right, Mike, give me maths. some more things that you love. Well, about prairie. Okay, one important thing to talk about. Okay, I'm first, ready. you keep leaving the bad news up to me. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I did do that. But yep. no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry um, about that. That's what I'm good at. Uh, invasive <laughs> plants are a challenge in all of our ecosystems. They are in in the state, honestly. But in prairie, they're in especially because there's so little prairie left in Minnesota. We have less than two percent of our remnant prairie remaining. My word, how much did we have before? I don't know. A third of the state, Mike. Oh, a third okay. of the state. 18 million acres down to 235,000. That is a shame, isn't it? Yeah. That's a shame. So Keep going. my point is when invasive species get into those remnant prairies, that's an especially large problem for us right now. It is. It is. And so conversely, our prairies are incredibly important sources of our native plants, which are vital for us. And a big reason they're so important for us, all of our wildlife species, all of our pollinators, and and just all of our ecosystem services, or at least many of them, are associated mm-hmm. with these native plants. They yeah. are. Yeah. Mike, what's, uh, talk to me a little bit about your favorite thing to do in the prairie and how much revenue that brings in for the state. Okay. Well, do you I, need a hint? It's a leading question. Um, I enjoy birding. I'm not sure it's the favorite thing. Oh, okay. Sorry. I mean, running and frolicking is probably number one. Wow. Yeah. I'd like to see that sometime. Could you demonstrate you some running that. and frolicking? Um, no? Okay. But yeah, I enjoy birding. So I, actually, I couldn't find data right before the podcast what Minnesota generates. Nationwide, it's over $100 billion in revenue. Billion? A hundred billion dollars yeah, are generated Whoa. F- from birding. Whoa. Prairies are, are an important su- place for birding because many of those birds are rare and uncommon. And it's just, it's like, again, it's a beautiful place to be. Sometimes you got mosquitoes to, to deal with sometimes, but like often you don't. The sun's, you know, it's just a beautiful place. So um, also another very important source for, uh, <laughs> for prairie um, is hunting. So oh, yeah. I, I, in Minnesota, it's a huge uh, generator of hunting dollars, and just for people to enjoy hunting, they do it on prairie. Primarily pheasant hunting, waterfowl hunting, Those two. hunting, deer hunting a little bit. A little bit, yep. I like it. All right. Way to go with your cash dollar assessments. I'm proud of you. That's good. Money. There's money in a prairie. Speaking of money, so prairies can also support sustainable agriculture. How do you think they do that? How do prairies and agriculture go together? We're here at the Minnesota State Fair. I had some ice cream with corn in it earlier. We're certainly growing corn. What does corn have to do with prairie? Any guesses? Anybody know? 
They were trying to leave, but then I asked them a question. See, that's how we keep you here. Everybody's looking at you now. What are, what are you going to do? Even the people online are looking at you. I tell you what, it's really it's nerve-wracking. I know. No, agriculture and prairie go hand in hand because prairies are the original at soil health. What are we growing a crop in? I just said it. Soil, she's got it. We're growing crops in soils. In Iowa, they've got this fantastic program called the Prairie Strips Program where you put strips of perennial vegetation in between cropland. And even though you're taking some land out of production, it actually makes the farm more profitable because those prairie roots are intercepting water. They're building soil structure. They're trapping nutrients. They're building carbon. Woo! They're doing all that. They're making you money. And you can also graze some prairies. It's not right for every prairie. But prairies are disturbance-based habitat. They rely on grazing, fire, and climate. All those three things are part of what makes a disturbance in a prairie. I was going to say what makes a prairie disturbed, but that's not right. What makes a prairie disturbance, that's what we want to go with. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. We're scientists. We laugh at ourselves all the time. You can leave now if you want. I mean, I prefer that you stay, but I'll stop directing the crowd to look at you. If that's okay, here, I'll, I'll just do this. <laughs> making sure she's here alright there's also cultural connections to the prairie right Mike Indeed. there are so many ways a lot of times people say to me well we're Minnesota and we love our trees right we're a forest state well we're a prairie state too welcome That's to right. it people we love prairies we love wetlands and we are connected to it can you imagine a Minnesota without a Laura Ingalls Wilder can you imagine a Minnesota without a Pipestone National Monument or a Jeffers Petroglyphs? I can't. I don't want to. And luckily, I don't have to because you can play a role in keeping prairie here. Anything else we should tell them before we start letting, you know, we be quiet and they ask us questions? I wanted to just say, uh, I think prairie for grass-fed beef. Oh, you do. You yeah. ate a lot of chili last winter. That's yeah. what I heard. Well, and I just had, what did, what, I have, what did I have earlier? Bison bites? Yeah, you did. You had some bison there's bites. Another, there's an, another animal that requires Horton grass. prairie grazer right prairie, there. Prairie and bison go together. Prairie and bison do go together. And so thank you, prairie, for those bison bites. There you go. Yeah. Well, wow. I'm just filled with gratitude right now. <laughs> i got to even flip a page. I'm filled with so much gratitude. See, we normally do this behind a desk. And when we do it behind a desk, are both of my mics on now? That would be fun. Twice the, twice the Megan. <laughs> yeah, that's unnecessary. Sounds terrifying, uh, we, need a, we need a public service message, I think. We do. Yeah. So the whole reason why we are here today on the stage right now at 1 o'clock is because whoa, whoa, of Hurricane Gale winds. No? We just take my other mic off. That's what we're going to do. Well, we're here today because of our partners in the Division of Forestry. So DNR is all about partnership. We're all about the work that we do together. Just ignore what I'm doing with my left hand. Just pay attention to the words that I'm saying. And before you know it, I will only have one mic on my body. Did you see that? That was dual tasking. Mike can't do it. He can't do it. He's not good at task. it. I know, but I just did. Proving once again. No, I was going to make a joke. Can't make that joke. I'm at work. Anyway, let's move on. So we have to thank our partners in Forestry because they gave up their spot on the stage. And right now, they are out with many of our DNR staff, and they are doing a bang-up job fighting wildland fire. And so it has been a tough fire year in Minnesota. Everybody knows we're kind of in a drought. I know it doesn't seem like it today. So, as you're moving equipment around your farms, your homes, any kind of property, just be aware that we have dry grass and it's very easy to set that grass on fire. So, our partners in the Division of Forestry wanted us to bring you this fire prevention message and that is one of our special commercials for the day. And we'll keep having more commercials. Should we move to our next section? Should we? Yes, let's do. Okay. Yes. So now it's time for your questions to be answered by us. 
Are you ready? Do you have questions? Okay, let me caveat that. Your prairie questions to be answered by us. We cannot give you directions or anything else. It's okay, everybody. It's technology. We're adapting. Look at us being flexible, just like the prairie. Well done, folks. Thank you very much, tech support. Way to go. Give them a round of applause, everybody. Way to go, tech support. Thank you. Good job. All right. I'm old school. Oh, well. I know. You are old school. Lots of jokes I can make there, but I won't. So we have a question from Facebook. Already. What's the question, sir? So Claire Plank Gaylor on Facebook asks, is there anything we can do to help prairies in Minnesota? Claire. Great question. That is a great question. Mike, you want to take it or you want me to take it? Okay, I'll just offer one quick thing. Okay, go for it. I'm saying it again, and I'm sorry. Grass-fed beef. <laughs> it's just an example. It's, seriously. It's an, it's an <laughs> Claire, did you know we were going to give you lunch recommendations? Because we just did. Have some beef. It's from the prairie. Yum, 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 in your tum, tum, tum. Okay. It wouldn't have to be grass-fed beef, but the point is uh, a key way to make prairie... Uh, more viable in our in our agricultural system is to make it earn money, and, and that's one example of how prairie can earn money for us is is by grazing. That's true because sometimes we don't think about all the things that prairie is doing for us, right? Because if we're not out on a prairie, we forget that we're connected to it. We forget that we need that clean air that it's providing for us, that clean water, those healthy soils. We forget that stuff. One thing that I want to say that you can do is you can plant native prairie plants around your house. Woo! she stayed. She knew I was going to get to it. You can plant native prairie plants. Every patch of prairie matters at this point. Every bit of habitat. Mike didn't give you the numbers because he didn't want to depress you too much, but in the last 50 years, we have lost half of our grassland birds. Half. That is astonishing. The western monarch is headed for extinction. The eastern monarch is right behind it. I know you didn't know it was going to be this depressing, but we need you right now to get a shovel, a tiny one, and plant those native plants because every prairie matters. You can also volunteer with the prairie enthusiasts. They are a fantastic group. You can join them. You can volunteer with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Hey, we work there. You might even get to volunteer with us. We're fun, a little nutty, but I promise we'll be fun and we'll teach you a lot about prairie. So you can come out, you can help us reduce those invasive species that Mike was talking about. Who doesn't want to cut brush on their day off? Huh? I'm just asking for a friend. Doesn't that sound like a good time? And it makes you feel good deep in your soul because you're doing something great it for really the prairie. Connects you to the, that connection yeah, to right. the prairie. You're giving back, taking care of it. Those are good things you can do. More questions? We're ready. Absolutely. We've got a bunch more. So Laura on Facebook asks, what are each of your favorite prairie plants? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mike's, uh, Mike, you, you want to take this one first? I'll start with Blazing Star. Oh, yeah. See? Woo! Blazing Star fan! It's a beautiful spike flower. It's, just, it's so cool. It immediately jumps out in the prairie, and lots of pollinators use it. Monarchs so. love it. Yeah. They refuel on that. They need milkweeds to lay their eggs. They need Blazing Star to make the migration. And that's it's a good a plant, one. and it's a very, it's a very uh, plantable plant. It's plantable. In your, like ba- in your backyard. Hashtag plantable. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. you plant it everywhere where people can see it. We want people to see Prairie and say, what are you doing? Why does your yard look like this? 
And then you can have a great conversation with them and say, I am helping. I am helping the prairie survive. Uh, Favorite plants. I mean, there are over 500 different kinds of prairie plants. So to pick just one is a struggle. But if I had to, I'm going to give you four. Okay, so uh, prairie drop seed. It's a tiny bunch grass. Its seeds smell like buttered popcorn. Welcome to Minnesota land of popcorn. I'm not sure about that tip. Yeah, it's a great. It smells. It's wonderful. It's delicious. It's already finished blooming, but it's just beautiful. It's good for edging around your house. Another one, butterfly milkweed, one of our very few orange prairie plants. It has clear sap. How weird is that for a milkweed? Also, you can find tons of little monarchs on it and big monarchs too, caterpillars and adults. That's a good one. Uh, I am a big fan of purple prairie clover also. It is a small prairie plant. I'm noticing that all the plants I'm picking are short. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but just saying. I'm 5'1", so I feel like it's fine. Short prairie plants need love too. So purple prairie clover smells like pines and orange. When you crush the leaves, it smells amazing. It just grows really small, and it's got orange pollen. Bumblebees love it. Queen bumblebees can be found just packed with orange pollen. It looks like they've got two sacks of orange pollen that they're carrying around. This is how bees fly. Yep, that's how they do it. And so they're just flying around. It's amazing. Now, what was my fourth one? I gotta think about this. I am gonna go with June grass. So June grass is another early prairie plant. Its its stem at the base of it is so soft it feels like velvet. Who doesn't want that in their house? It grows upright, so it's a great German plant. I live in New Ulm, so, you know, that's for all the New Ulm people watching. You're welcome. Mention of Germans. Mention of straight plants. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Those are my four. I picked four. There's lots. And if you check out Minnesota Wildflowers' website, you can find a ton more prairie plants. Hey, we've got two more Facebook questions. So... Bob Bolin says, what is your favorite prairie plant and why is it big blue stem? So very <laughs> this, this feels like a leading question. Yes, uh, but Laura asks, uh, or I'm sorry, Jennifer asks, please let me know where we can see prairies in Minnesota. That was definitely a leading question. That did was did you tell question. her to ask that? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. I'll take big blue stem if you want to take prairies. And we have a whole take hike section we should mention. So Meg, I'm just going to say Megan and Mike. That, yeah. that question, yeah. We are going to cover where you can see prairie a little bit later. You're just going to have to hang on, which means you're going to have to keep watching. Isn't that sound like a great di- time? I think it does. I think it sounds like a great time. Absolutely. Okay, why is my favorite plant big blue stem? Here's the thing about big blue stem. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I constantly am telling our wildlife managers to stop planting big blue stem and so it's a running joke big blue stem is great it is a great prairie plant and it works perfectly in a remnant prairie but when we're trying to rebuild prairie it's very aggressive and it can take over a planting particularly if we don't have cows cows or bison or some other grazing animal are great at helping us manage big blue stem and helping us manage different kinds of structures on the prairie so I do love big blue stem. It's one of these plants right now that is purple and blue. It's majestic. It has a little turkey foot shape to the seeds. It's just that iconic prairie plant. It's easy to identify for people like me, too. It's easy to identify. It's blowing in the wind. It turns a little bit bronzy towards the end of the season. It's very, very nice. So I do love big blue stem, but I don't plant a lot of it in my restorations. Bottom line is it doesn't need a lot of our help. Yeah. Compared to other plants. It's going to grow. It's going to be there. So we want to plant it, but we want to plant it a pinch, a little pinch. 
What other prairie? Oh, a prairie question. Oh, yeah. We have a question from the crowd. This is Alex. I'm ready. Hi, Alex. Hi. I have a question. What is your favorite prairie animal? Oh, boy. I'm going to let you start. Prairie animal. Go for it. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm, I like birds a lot. Um, upland sandpiper, mainly... Well, there's many reasons. The Upland Sandpiper has a call that sounds like a wolf whistle. <laughs> I can't do it while I'm smiling because it requires me to whistle, but it goes <laughs> like that. Could you do it again for the people in the back? <laughs> nice. Like that. That's good. And so, uh, yeah. Thank you. Give him a round of applause. He just imitated a bird. Um, and they, they like they kind of follow you around the prairie. They're really fun birds. They another, follow another, you around. Another, that sounds creepy. They, they do kind of follow you around. They're the stalker of the prairie world. <laughs> what a good bird for you to like, Mike. Good job. <laughs> really proud of you. Way to go. Up on Sandpiper. Yeah, that's mine. What's yours, Megan? I don't know. I was trying to think. I let you go first because I was like, my mind is blank. <laughs> All I can think of are plants. Um, I'm going to go with Dakota Skipper. That's what I'm going to go with. It is an Minnesota endangered skipper. It's a tiny prairie butterfly. It's like yay big. They are orange and, what'd you say, black? I think orange and black. They land on purple coneflower, and when they're sitting, they put their wings. This is their wings, right? They put their wings in such a way. Mike imitates things with sounds. I use my whole body. You're welcome. So they have wings like this, and they sit like a little fighter jet. And then when they're, they're only flying as adults for two weeks on the summer in the summertime so two weeks in june usually and they're just flying from flower to flower to flower to flower to flower looking for a mate and they're just like tiny airplanes in the prairie and you could easily miss them if you weren't looking because it's those little things that make the world go round so that's i, I think i'm going to pick dakota skipper yeah they're, they're super cute they are cute they're little adorable butterflies i don't think i don't say that about many things i say that about dakota skippers they're very okay. cute Thank you very much, Alex. Good job. Way to be brave. Yeah, thanks for Any asking the wildlife questions? question. Appreciate that. All right. Yep. So we have one more question here. And uh, what kinds of prairie plants can we plant in our yards? Uh, that's Renee Berkness on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. You can plant so many different kinds of prairie plants, like I, all I, of them. That's the question Just I plant have all too. of them. Just plant all of them. So first thing I would do is check with your local ordinances because some cities and some counties have restrictions on how high plants can be. And if we're talking about things like big blue stem, they are easily six feet tall. I have big blue stem planted in my yard. There's little blue stem. There's prairie drop seed, which is very short. Purple prairie clover, butterfly milkweed, June grass, plains oval sedge, bicknell sedge. I'm just like throwing out all kinds of plants right now. I'm looking, I'm going through a catalog of my yard. Anise hyssop is a good one. There's also white prairie clover, which I enjoy very much. Oh, what's happening? You're out of your thing. What's the matter? Get in your box, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) If I had to, if I had a penny for every time I have to tell him that, I'd tell you what. I could retire right now. (laughs) But why would I do that when there's so much prairie left to save? If you want even more ideas, we are in a beautiful state of Minnesota where we have just under 2% of our prairie left. We have a fantastic amount of native plant suppliers in the state who will ship you plants. You can check out the DNR's website for DNR landscaping with native plants, and we've got a whole list of native plant suppliers there that you can go to. It's divided up by region, so whether you're in northwest Minnesota, northeast, central, southeast, southwest, there's a prairie plant for you! So there are all kinds. We've got to move on to our next section, or we're not going to have time to race. Yeah, a quick another public 
public announcement? Yes, please do. Um, it's time for our commercial from our partners in the Vision of Forestry. So this is, a, this is an announcement about fire and prairie. So fire is a crucial form of disturbance in our prairies, right? They are. And, and so we just want to make a key distinction between prescribed fire that we do to manage prairies and then and then unprescribed fire that occurs in our prairies. Um, I think this is that wildfire wildfires. There okay. you go. Unprescribed. Unpres- <laughs> unprescribed. Yeah. Just like that's technical term for wildfire. <laughs> Uh, 98% of fires in Minnesota are human-caused. So that's an important thing. We all can do something to prevent wildfires. Right. Uh, only 2% are lightning. And so that's, that's a key. You know, historically, lightning was our, probably our primary, you know, before European settlement, or actually Native Americans did start fires. They did. Yeah. They absolutely did to help manage the prairie and to help move bison. Yeah. Anyway, this is, it's just an example of, of how many fire, how, the fire problem we have to deal with nowadays is primarily human-caused. It is, yeah. and we're we call it a problem because we're trying to protect people and infrastructure. So in our right. fire zones, that's where now we have homes, and so we're that's why we have so many brave DNR folks out right now, serving on wildland firefighting crews, and they are helping the people of Minnesota make sure that they can keep their property safe. And we have gotten some lovely messages from you. They are working very very hard. It's very physically demanding, and so if you can send them a nice note, and by them I mean the DNR, send us a nice note about the work they're doing because they love to hear that it just fuels them forward see what i did fuels them forward as they're working a fire nice get it nice i know (laughs) okay we're gonna move on to our next section so normally when we do the podcast we do something called hit it tan Science was my part. Yeah, you did great. It Thank was you. great. Thanks we do here. something called Let's Science, and you just heard our little jingle there. We get to that in the podcast, and that is where we typically recommend a book, a blog, or a paper. But in this season, we are in the fourth season of the Prairie Pod, and in this season, for the first time ever, we had one of our guests recommend an activity for kids, and we liked this activity so much that we thought... We got to bring it to the Minnesota State Fair. If we're going to take it anywhere, we're taking it here. So everybody who's walking around and you're not sure what snack you're going to eat next, if you want to laugh at some people pretending to be snakes, this is your moment. It's about to happen on the DNR stage. So Mike and I are going to line up. Dan is going to call the race. We have our finish line here. We have our starting line there. Mike and I are going to be two different prairie snakes. He's going to show you a picture of these snakes. Ready? Which one do you have first? You gotta. Okay, so this is gonna be Megan. This is this is the mighty bull snake. That's nice. Looks a, be- really a beautiful, nice. a beautiful snake of our prairie. I'm a beautiful snake. And she's the bigger, by far the bigger of the two snakes too, which is the reverse of real life. Um, <laughs> and this here is the eastern hognose snake. There's also a, uh, a plains hognose snake in the state. Both of them use prairie, and they're, aren't they cute? I think they're just, uh, they're kind of adorable. They're very adorable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so for folks who are thinking, ooh, snakes, that was a bold choice. You're right, it was. It's also gonna be a bold choice to wiggle on the ground after all the fried food I've ingested today, but we're gonna do it. 
because it's the moment. We want you to learn about how valuable and important prairie snakes are. Prairie is about all the pieces. I can't tell you how many times somebody says to me, Mike, okay, that's a cool plant. What's it do? Right. So like shoot rockets out of itself or what, you know, what does, is it going to, what's it going to do? What it's doing is making the prairie whole, just like your car needs wheels and an engine and a seatbelt and all those good things. So does the prairie. We just don't know which piece is which. So we want to make sure we keep all of those pieces and snakes are a, a critical component to our prairies. They help with lots of things. They eat rodents for goodness sakes, for goodness snakes. I borrowed that from our non-game oh. wildlife biologist, Lisa Gelman and Bear. <laughs> okay, we're ready. Gonna happen. Are you ready for this? All right. So, do we need to do some introductions here? On, it would be to my right, to my right, it would be Megan, the bull snake. By the way, she's a species of special concern, weighing in at a whopping six pounds and three to six feet in length. It is the bull snake. All right. And then to my immediate right, I'm Peter. The cuter of the snake, the play, or the, the uh, eastern hognose snake, half a pound weighing in at, and two to three feet long. So, this heavy-bodied snake mostly eats toads. Oh, well played. All right. So let's take our places, snake competitors. So what they're going to have to do, they're going to have to put their arms by their sides and wiggle like a snake from point A to point B. All right. So this is the content you are here for at the Minnesota State Fair. Wait. Nope. Nope. No cheating. No cheating. All right, snakes, are we ready? Of course, we're socially distanced, we're masked up, all protocols are in place. Contestants appear to be ready. Give me a flick of the tongue if you're ready. Oh wait, they're masked up, that won't work. Okay, on your mark, get set, go. All right. Okay. And they're neck and neck. They're neck and neck. But wait. The, we have to... The hognose snake has to show the different colorations, ranging from yellow, gray, brown, olive, and black. Oh, wait. But the... But the bull snake has to climb a tree to search for rodents because they eat birds and baby mice. Oh, and did you know in the spring they use their tongue a lot to search for a mate? They stick their head up. They stick their tongue out. They're smelling the air with their tongue. <laughs> and did you know the females sometimes excavate a nest chamber in sandy soils? And the hognose snake is taking a rest. Why is that? I thought this was a race. Okay. He's... Okay. And by the way, did you know, the female bull snake in mid to late June carries a load of eggs that need to be deposited in the soil. Okay. And the race is almost over. But the bull snake has to shed her skin. 
No, no, okay. The race is won by the bull snake. Congratulations by a nose. All right. Do you guys need a hand up? Nope. All right. Let's give him a hand. Congratulations on how to demonstrate A, going for it, but B, how our snakes move on the prairie. So I appreciate it. I want a video replay of that. <laughs> Be the longest video replay of all time. Five minutes to see no, I mean, who actually won. No, for the finish, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm going to contest a... that. That's a workout. I that had to play. Be... I had to play dead. The bull snake, <laughs> or the, uh, the the hog nose snake, plays dead. It does when it feels and, threatened, which you clearly did, because the bull snake was beating you, yeah, man. I did feel threatened, <laughs> and you felt real threatened. That is one of their adaptations. So they actually play dead, and they'll even actually regurgitate some food from their mouth a which little bit. I do frequently. So, yeah. oh, wow, that's too much information for a podcast. So <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm out of breath. I could feel as I was racing, they talked about you being a heavy-bodied snake. I could feel myself getting more heavy-bodied as all the fried food made its way down. <laughs> all that wiggling. I tell you what, that is a struggle. <laughs> that could be a new workout video. Everybody, brought to you by the Minnesota DNR. The Let's Science Snake Activity. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, congr normally... Congrats. That was a good race, Megan. Thank you. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm sure sorry. You... We should have shaken hands. We should have... In real life, we would like... They all both think. You know... Yeah. Snake, snake bump. A snake bump. And then just be like, hey, good race, man. Good race. <laughs> so one of our uh, wildlife managers gave us that activity, and she said that it was a great thing to do if you're at home and you're bored and you want to learn more about how snakes move. And I feel like we just learned a lot about that. Does anybody want to try it who's in the crowd? Anybody? Anybody want to try it? Oh, we've got somebody. Anybody to race against you? Maybe this lovely lady there? You guys want to try it? Come on up here. Give them a round yeah. of applause. Woohoo! All right. Now, here's how this works. We're going to step down. Each of you are going to lay down at your respective spots. You go over there. That's perfect. Now, what you have to do when we say go is you're going to wiggle with your hands at your sides the whole time, your feet as together as you can make it, and you're going to go all the way to the finish line. I will move my mask out of your way. And while you do it, Mike and I are going to be giving you cues, right? So at one point, which snake do you want to be? Do you guys have a preference? No preferences? No, you got to be a prairie snake. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. We can't be King Coke. How about a rattlesnake? Rattlesnake? A timber rattlesnake? He wants to be. It's he wants venomous. to be venomous. Okay, he's the timber rattlesnake. He's the timber Fine. rattlesnake. We have them yeah. in the bluff prairies of southeast Minnesota. Do you want to be a bull snake? All right, I was an excellent bull snake. So this is, you know, you got to live up to my yeah bull snake the record I just set. I think snakes. it was ten minutes and two seconds to go twenty feet. So you really gotta, <laughs> you're gonna need to uh, keep up with that because it's a steep, steep snake Olympic record. Are you guys ready? Ready for this? Yeah, there you go. Go! Wiggle! Squirm! Squirm! Nice job, We've got guys. our two prairie snakes moving. You can use your hands a little if it would help you. Move.
faster. You're doing it. You're doing so well. We've got the timber rattlesnake. He oh, is leading. Timber by a nose. Yep. Bull snake is catching up. She's moving. She's wiggling. It's hard, isn't it? You're out of breath. <laughs> How much food did you guys eat today? Good job. It's a mistake. It was a mistake. Come on, bull snake. Keep going. You're so close. You can use your hands a little bit. Move yourself. Here you go. Oh, look at you scoot. They're scooting. They're so close. You're still in that, this, bull snake. That bull snake you is resilient. You got a record. You got a record. Oh, she's she's gaining on you. She's gaining. Good she's job, got Timber. you by a nose. She's got you by a tongue. It's, oh, it's going to be a nail biter. Oh, Timber Rattlesnake out the end. Just missed it, but I think you beat my record, so congratulations. <laughs> Good job. Way to go. Excellent job, Prairie Snakes. How much time? <laughs> How much time? Did you time it? Uh, we're going to go with that was easily under two minutes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Good work. Good work. Good work, Prairie Snakes. Less than five? Okay. All right. Woo. Thank you. That was excellent. That's what Mike and I were hoping originally would happen so that we wouldn't have to do it. So I'm really glad that you guys showed up. I'm glad up. we did, though. You could yeah. have been here ten minutes earlier, but, you know, I'm so glad you're here. We had to work off some of that fried food, Megan. <laughs> That's true. It is true. Well, somebody asked earlier on Facebook Live, so if you're just tuning in, this is Megan and Mike here. We're live at the Minnesota State Fair talking about prairie, doing our first ever live prairie pod podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, or our website at mndnr.gov backslash prairie pod. And we are about to tell you the places that you can go hiking. Do you want to start or you want me sure. to start? No, I'll you start. start. I need to catch my breath. I'm really out of breath from that snake race. Yeah. That's what it takes to that's what it takes to beat the bull snake. Or I, no, I'm sorry, I was the uh don't try to take my crown. I was the hog. You were a hog sake. You were playing dead for half well, the race. He was. You were clearly feeling very threatened a by a prairie bull snake. If it was a cuteness contest. You know, I probably would have won. Oh, um, well, all right. Fair enough. Okay, so two, two. I'm going to just quickly give you two very cool uh, prairies. These are actually both pretty accessible from the metro for the folks that are in the metro area. One is called Gray Cloud Dunes. So we went there uh, just a few days ago or a few weeks ago, I guess, for for uh, pollinator training. It has it has very nice prairie there, some really cool and rare pollinators, rare insects, and good birds. Um, a cool place that's access, pretty accessible from the metro. And um, the other one is Kellogg Weaver Dunes in the southeast. It's it's um, in my biased opinion oh, one of the one of the nicest examples of a large prairie complex in the eastern part of the state. It's um, it's it's dry prairie, sand prairie. And so what I really like about that is that it's easy to walk through, Megan. It, it, oh, I know you like that. I just saw your snake race. We know you like when it's easy to walk. <laughs> anyway, it's, re it's, it's beautiful. Lots of rare plants and animals there. And yeah, two places that I, I really suggest that people visit. They're wonderful places to take a hike. I love it. Two more places to take a hike from around the state. We have Felton Prairie in northwest Minnesota. It's one of our biggest gravel prairies. And I mentioned the Dakota Skipper earlier. The Dakota Skipper is one of our endangered prairie butterflies. And this is one of the last places that it occurs naturally in Minnesota. So go visit in June, visit in July, visit anytime. It's just a glorious expanse of prairie with excellent vistas. And then if you want to go all the way down to southwest Minnesota, 
Minnesota, you can check out Blue Mound State Park. So Blue Mound State Park is another fabulous prairie. It has bison there. We mentioned bison earlier. It's part of the Minnesota Bison Conservation Herd. So we have bison at Blue Mounds. We also have bison at Minneopa State Park. And we're expanding our areas throughout the state so that we can try to bring bison back to the prairie because that is where they belong. Blue Mounds, what I like about it is all of these glacial erratics. That's kind of a fun word, right? What, what does that mean? It just means that when the glacier receded, it dropped out a lot of big rocks. And it left those rocks there, and you can go visit them and see them. Ugh, it's one of my favorite places. And it's got the teepee you can camp in, too. It does. It has, <laughs> oh, our state parks are absolutely wonderful. Yep. And they're so good for the soul, too. All of our public lands are. You can check out your public lands because you... You, 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 all of us are public landowners in Minnesota, and you can go to the DNR's Recreation Compass, and you can find a place to explore your beautiful public lands, get that peace that Prairie's offering you every single day. Right? Well done, Megan. Thank you. Yeah, this, was, this was a lot of fun. We should do every podcast this way. We should do every podcast this way. I don't know if I could do every podcast with that much exercise in the middle. I'm not sure about that. But we, it's been a joy to be here on stage. We hope, thank everybody who's listening online. We thank everybody who's in the audience. Can we all just say, you know, this podcast was produced by the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources under the <laughs> Minnesota Prairie Conservation Plan. Oh, it's going to be edited by Dan Ryder and produced by the fabulous Jed Beecher. Everybody all at once say, Prairie! Prairie! Thanks for being here. Enjoy the great Minnesota get-together and get outside and explore your public lands. Thanks, everybody.